What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Welcome, everyone, to the Rideshare Rodeo audio podcast, covering all aspects of the gig economy. This week, I have invited a fellow gig worker, David Fry. Um, David is from the Chicago market. And for those of you not familiar with David, you will be here soon. Uh, David, thank you for joining me today. You bet. No problem. So can you give us, before we get into some of these issues, can you give us a little background on on you and the gig economy and... Um, Anything else that might be relevant in Chicago? Sure. Um, I do started driving Uber. I guess started Lyft shortly after that. It was uh, 2017, February of 2017, I believe. And I've been doing that full-time ever since. Um, started off just doing rideshare. Um, mainly then I started adding in a few other things in the past couple of years. So I've done Curry. I've done Viho some Amazon Flex. I got probably about maybe six or seven different uh, last mile deliveries that I have on my phone. Well, probably more closer to 12 or so, but a few of those main ones I use. Um, freight. And then I just started doing a couple catering ones as well in the last month or so. So deliver that and delivered. And then the one through uh, Para. So I noticed you're you're leaving out all the all the food delivery. Apps. Yes, I never did any of that. I think the only time I ever did, um, that's back in the day when uh, oh, uh, Postmates was mm-hmm. still around. And the only reason I did that is because my car was in the shop for a week and a half, and <laughs> that was the only thing I had available at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, what about the, uh, the shopping app? Same thing. Not interested. You know, I did some of that when. Um, shipped just came out um that i just didn't do too much because it wasn't paying nearly as what i could make in ride share right i did do let's see what was the one that uber just bought out um can't think of the name of it right now it was the one corner shop shop? yeah corner shop yep now that was pretty good i caught it oh about a few months before it ended here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that was paying really good. I mean, yeah, that's what uh, that. that's what J- Dash Theory John has told me too. You know, not not a lot of not um, a lot of us were not privy to get the uh, to actually have a chance at Corner Shop. I know here in Denver, we never even saw it. Right, and I saw it, and then it took me maybe I don't know a month before I actually got active on it. And I wish I would have started earlier because it picked up pretty well. Right, yeah. But then as soon as Uber took it over, it's like, just went down the toilet. 
I mean, yeah. I haven't even looked, you know, I have my deliveries on once in a while for the through when I have Uber running, mm-hmm. but I never have seen one ever come through on there yet, you know, as a shop and shop and pay. But so, so how, I, how have you been navigating the, uh, <laughs> the Chicago streets with rideshare? Cause I know, I mean, I know it's become, or it's been extremely dangerous for years, but I mean, I feel like the pandemic got crazy. Um, and then post pandemic, I feel like there was a lot of crazy stuff going on and I'm sure there's some areas you can avoid, but still. Um, yeah, it's, I've been fortunate, I guess. Um, yeah, I drove during the pandemic part time. Just, um, I did on un- collected unemployment, but here in Illinois, you can work part time and still collect unemployment mm-hmm. to, until you earn a certain amount. So I did about t- 10 hours a week then, but. You know, at that time it was rough too because you know, we didn't have the upfront destinations at all, so you didn't right. really have a choice where you were going to end up or go. And and I've never had any incidents, and I've always driven in pretty much every area of the city. You know, there's some that I won't stay in longer than I really need to, but I just kind of deal with it. It's I think a big part of it is. You know, just being aware of your surroundings and situations and, and things like that. Are yeah. you um are you a Chicago lifer? I mean, have you been there your whole life? No, I moved here in two thousand and six. So okay. it's been quite a while. Right. Okay. So yeah, enough time to to get it all mapped out though. And I'm sure, I mean, again, you know, I I've done all these apps in my market too. I'm originally from Michigan, so <laughs> being here in Denver, it's kind of weird because a lot of times people say to me, you know, like, well, you know, you still have to avoid areas of Denver. And I'm like, like, where? I mean, like, <laughs> honestly, like I go when I go to what people call a hood here, I'm just like, this isn't a hood. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah, I've been through Denver quite a few times. I have a sister <laughs> that lives out west and yeah. in Colorado. And so I, I mean, I know there's that. like some areas. Absolutely. They're not, you know, they look they look not as safe as some others, but I don't feel like we truly like. Look, being from Detroit, being coming from the Michigan and the Detroit, all my family being in Detroit metro area, it just doesn't feel like I know hood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I used Detroit to go to has, Chicago a lot. I know hood. Yep. Between Detroit Chicago and Detroit, like I can say I understand what a hood is. Yeah, I was visiting up in Detroit one time for work before I lived in Chicago and had to drive up there and do some repair work and and I we had to take a rider van out there. And we parked it one night because we were going to go to the bar afterwards. And the only place we could find was about a block and a half away from the bar. And we got in that area and it was like the whole place was fenced in with barbed wire fence and everything, you know, on top. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of weird. So we got in there and and then the bartender asked, you know, where we parked or what we were leaving. I go, well, about down, you know, block and a half down the street. And he looked at me like, and you walked here from there? (laughs) <laughs> I go, yeah, why? He goes, that's why we have valet parking and everything's fenced in here. <laughs> he yeah. goes, if you can stay till closing time, uh, we'll, we'll have somebody drive you down there. <laughs> I go, is it that bad? Yeah. And this was like a couple, he goes, yeah. And the guy sitting next to me said, pointed at his leg and he goes, yeah, look at that. He pulled up his pant leg and he had a big scar on his, he goes, somebody just stabbed me when I was walking down the street leaving one night. I go, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
and luckily to anybody who listens from Michigan, I know that, you know, there's even some creators and other podcasts who do listen to this. I'm clearly, I love Michigan to death. So I'm not dogging. I think Detroit's come a long way. In fact, I think right after the era you're talking about, they actually moved a bunch of the nightclubs to Tiger Stadium uh-huh. and they put them on the top floor. So you'd go into Tiger Stadium and go to the top floor to hit like seven of the clubs so that you were parking in one centralized area and it was making it safer. But now I, f- I feel like the biggest problem that Detroit had was streetlights. Yeah. Um, they were all, I mean, they were always missing them. And I, when I used to grow up there and go to the old Joe and stuff, we became, you know, I, I probably became too comfortable and accustomed to parking in a sketchy area and walking to like a, to, to the Joe to see the wings play and then walking back down Woodward to get to my car after when it's dark. Um, and this was, you know, in the, in the eighties and nineties, I mean, this was when, I mean, and, and the, to those that don't know Detroit where there's gargoyles on every building and when it's dark, it just kind of has a Gotham feel. <laughs> I don't yeah. really know how else to put it. Cause they really, they were lacking street uh, street lights forever, like forever. Yeah. So it's kind of like some areas here in Chicago. It gets it's dark and run down. And like I said, I, I go into those areas. I mean, I don't think I've ever like turned the ride down, you know, or canceled it just because it was a pickup in that area or a drop off there. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I really pay attention to what I'm doing and look for any unusual things. And and there have been some times where I've been in that area and I just had a gut feeling on something and yeah. I canceled it. Yeah, I said I'm going to take the chance. It's like when you get those feelings, it's there's a reason for it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and I know. I mean, other people in big cities, you know, there's people who are in New York City or L.A. or whatever, or Miami that might be going. Well, come on, it can't be any Chicago can't be any, any worse than here. But if you follow the news, it actually is a lot worse, and a lot more people get attacked, carjacked, whatever. All those stats seem to like really come out of Chicago big. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like there's some numbers there. It's like again, they play around with the number. You can get them to oh, yeah. kind of what any much you want, but but their carjackings, you know, no doubt they've been way up in the last three years, and you know, and every weekend there's you know shootings here and there, and where I, where I and I live on a pretty a good area of town up at Rogers Park, just right along like little block off the lake, okay, up on the north side, mm-hmm. and you know it's not. It's decent around here, but we still have stuff happens. You know, if you look on the map where they keep track of all the, you know, shootings and things and, you know, they're around here and, you know, I came home and it's, it's quiet around here. Otherwise you just don't hear stuff, you know, but it was, was it a year ago? No, two years ago. I think it was during the pandemic and I dropped a couple riders off a few blocks away and, and I was going to go home after that. And there was a whole bunch of sirens and police cars coming, going the opposite direction. Didn't pay too much attention. And I got home and was driving down towards my block. And I'd seen the next block down there, some police tape down there. So I was going to go down and park my car and walked over there. And I kind of looked and they had about six blocks of Sheridan Road all taped off. And there must have been, you know, every other house had about five people out in front of it, just kind of looking around. And there must have been 200 police officers there. Yeah, I'm not kidding. And everybody's looking around, but nothing's happening. 
and I'm walking down the street and kind of looking and there's, I see a car parked there with its trunk open and there was another car about a half block down and they're both kind of crossways in the street and, and all the doors were open and nobody was around and one of them had bullet holes in the door and it was a drive-by shooting and they didn't know where the boat, everybody got out and ran and nobody could find them. But that hmm. was like seven o'clock at night, you know. And stuff like that doesn't happen here, but it, it did then. And every once in a while, you'll have one like that. So, and the thing is, it just happens anywhere anymore. You know, it used to be pretty yeah. much contained to certain areas, but now carjackings and and crazy stuff like that. And then there's all these flash mob type things that show up. We had just one over the weekend and one in the suburbs. You know, a whole bunch of teenagers showed up and just did an amusement kind of like a carnival or something that was going to go on. They ended mm -hmm. up canceling that, but it's just crazy. It's, and it makes it rough out there driving because you want to do your job, but you, you know, kind of worry about your safety too. And I guess I just don't worry. I was going to say, I don't think about it, but I do think about it. I don't really worry about it that much. You know, there's kind of a difference. I'm aware of stuff, but it, it's not on my constant mind. I'm not, you know, like looking over my shoulder constantly, just kind of aware of my surroundings. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, for me, I, I spent so much time, so many years in the bar industry that things happen at the bar all the time, you yeah. know, almost once a week. And so like when I hear about these, ins it really like, it's not going to always save you, but there it's, it's a certain type of people. Yeah, that can yeah. that that could and should be doing these jobs because it does require. I mean, I hear people say the barrier to entry is low and and what, but I mean, really, it does come down to: do you have that? Do you have that edge it to you? Do you are you able to to right. judge a situation and read read something before it happens? Are you, you know, because I feel like too many people just have their doors unlocked and like whatever, get in. Oh yeah, and they're not they paying do. attention and. and yeah, there's literally there's some people out there that shouldn't be doing rideshare or delivery for that reason. Mm -hmm. And not, not to mention even some of them just because their lack of driving skills and not paying attention that way. You just see people driving yeah. around with like they're driving around like there's nobody around them and they can't figure out where to go. And and plus, they, you know, they criminals, they prey on stuff like that when you're not paying attention, even just out walking down the street, you know. Oh, 100%. And uh, yeah, actually, that's going to be I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead an article and then we'll come back. So I wanted to ask you about something about Chicago, but I've wanted to bring up something I found pretty interesting today. I found an article um, that have you ever heard of Black Wolf? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a well, it's a it's an I don't know how new it is. Um, it is a new ride share that is launched in Atlanta and New York. And I know Chicago's on their list of like, I think it's the next city. So Black Wolf is a rideshare company where every driver carries a gun. Wow. I find that to be extremely interesting. I Maybe yeah. I'm not as quickly thrown off by that as some other people would be. To me, I actually might read into that as a good thing. And I know some people will totally be like, dude, I disagree to the fullest. Like, I'm not saying everybody should have a gun, but if these people are being vetted properly, because we got rideshare drivers that carry guns anyway, guys, on these platforms. Right. So, yeah, I mean, do. 
I'd almost rather it be that these are vetted correctly, people that have licenses for their guns, people who are able to carry, because then I, I almost feel like, I, I mean, at least me, I feel like I'm going to be safer in that ride. Yeah. Because those type of people are not the type that are going to take me out into the woods and do something. True. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I'm wrong. I don't know. I just found it very interesting that anybody on this app has to carry a gun. And I think if, you know, if the vetting procedures are good, you know, that's the kind of gun control you need is make sure the people that have them are mentally fit to have them, yeah. know how to use them, and not just in a shooting range situation, but know right. how to use them in a situation where, like, in right here, you might be attacked or something like that. So when you do respond, you aren't flying off the handle and, and likely to hurt a bunch of innocent other people standing by that you know you know you you're in, you're in control of that weapon yeah well i would imagine most people wouldn't take this ride share and try and jack it or do something to it because, right you wouldn't think so i mean very likely you're going to get into a like even if you have a gun and this your plan is to hijack the car most likely it's going to end in a shootout because that person who carries a gun is willing to use it yep so I would imagine they just go on to Uber or Lyft and stay away from this Black Wolf app and wouldn't Probably. go near it. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I find I find it interesting because the other part of it that I really love is that they don't, um, they're not using Checker, so mm -hmm. they're not using the cheap background check. They're actually looking into your, you know, like you were saying, like they're actually looking into your carry permits and and your your background and they're they're running real background checks on these people right like like the kind that a business would run <laughs> so. yeah and that's what they need to do if you're gonna do yeah. that you need to make it worthwhile make it effective but i mean whenever these whenever rideshare companies pop up all over the place we've seen them in austin and other places and then they don't pan out so well i always think to myself like Oh man, it's too bad you just don't have some edge or some niche where you're grabbing people because I it's just too hard to come in and fight for that that customer base. But yeah. I feel like this might be something. I don't know. It it, could I could be. be wrong, but it can't do much any worse than the others that have tried so far. Yeah, I mean, and like we were like we were just talking about. I mean, to be honest, like the other companies are not vetted well the other companies do not and if you guys right. like and if you know by chance there's any passengers out there strolling across this podcast you know I, I, you guys should know that the uber and lyft drivers that are out there are not vetted properly and often people who should not be approved by checker are approved just by accidental process yeah it so, doesn't seem like it's very effective no but i mean when you but that's what happens when you go with the lowest cost well, yeah. And of course they do, because I mean, if, if people are like, well, why do they do that? I mean, let's be honest. They're not, they, the companies don't make a profit and they onboard so many, hundreds of pe hundreds of people, too many in every market, thousands of people, too many. So they're onboarding yeah. constantly daily. So of course they're going to go with the cheapest thing out there. Is yeah. the cheapest yeah. the best? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's why no, they go They're going to get the bare minimum because why they, I mean, if I, no matter if I was running a company, it doesn't matter what it was. And I had to do a background check. And if I had, you know, people turn over that, you know, might work a day or might work a week, you know, I'm not going to want to spend a fortune. On so that for... I, I do want to ask you about the Chicago bill or the, the common carrier push. Yeah. 
um, and your take on it, because after, after that, I want to, I want to jump into this Minnesota thing because there was some closure last night and, uh, and, and I'm I, not sure how I feel about it, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I read the, it passed the Senate and went back to the house because they had to make, approve some amendments that the Senate did. Are you talking, you're talking about Chicago? Yep. Okay. And that passed too. So I guess it's now heading to the governor to be signed. Last I heard. Right. So, I mean, with common carrier comes a lot more insurance responsibilities. You know, I've been trying to find out more details of what all this is going to involve and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I can't find anything anywhere on what the requirements are. And I don't know if that's, you know, industry, industry, because I even looked up the, you know, the law that they're amending the common carry that it referenced. Mm -hmm. And the thing is only a couple paragraphs long and it doesn't really say anything. Right. So they're just, you know, removing that language. And, and so I don't know who is going to, what decides that because depending on what type of carrier you are, there's different, you know, uh, government agencies or whatever that regulate you, you know, like right. the, the trucker trucking stuff is the FMCSA and, Mm -hmm. And then you got um, buses and things like that through the DOT as well. But I looked and there's another, never been anything set up for rideshare. So it's usually right. just the state's own ordinance. Like the state has a rideshare ordinance that dictates things in there. City of Chicago has one that's specific just for the city and the surrounding areas that it licenses. So there's nothing in those ordinances that, mandate any other amounts of insurance or anything like that so i don't know if it's going to be more insurance than what they have the million dollars now mm -hmm. or so that's and nobody seemed to answer that or have any so, questions yeah i mean the closest i, I kind of i'm there with you because i'm always digging into like what i can find about the one the weird thing i did find in chicago was that okay so common carrier applies to trains taxis buses planes um, at basically every transportation mode, but here's, here was the odd one that I found was that it applies to elevators. So if you own a building and yep. you own the business in it, let's say you own a bar and it's three stories and for handicap reasons, you have an elevator that's barely used, but you have it in your establishment. You are not responsible for the elevator itself under common carrier. The, the mm -hmm. fire department is. Wow. So the fire department yeah. signing off, and that's why you always need to have these renewals in the elevators there, yeah. that say this was serviced on this date. It's good till this date. Um, and and I think I think everybody listening in in Chicago would be very challenged to find an out of date uh, stamp for an elevator because they'll shut it down. Yeah, I mean, because again, if they're I, what I was kind of trying to get to there is how I read it was that the fire department's on the line for allowing this elevator to be there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I just, my personal feeling is, is that somehow this is going to come back to the driver to be the driver's responsibility. It could be. And then it may be up to, you know, deciding how much we need to carry extra insurance or, or what. So, and that's going to be interesting. It'll, I think it's going to play out. You'll hear more eventually over the next three let's see 23 five years because originally 
the ordinance on the state level that regulates rideshare, the one they're amending, that was set to expire this September. Because a lot of times those laws they put in effect, they got a sunset date on them. Mm-hmm. Like I did massage therapy for quite a few years too. And, and it was the same way with the massage therapy, you know, licensing. That was, that law was set and usually it's one or three years. And they extended this one now to 20, I think it's 28 maybe or 29. So then that's one of the reasons they said Lyft went kind of neutral on it because they were against it, but Lyft is kind of neutral in the last week and Uber still opposed it, but they said Lyft changed its mind because they didn't want it to go into effect right away. And then when they switched it so that it, it, it set to expire in five years, then they were okay with that. Maybe they figured they won't be in business by then. So <laughs> it won't matter. Right. <laughs> but, so I think, of, you know, in that time, it's going to give them time to whatever they do. If they file a lawsuit, I wouldn't be surprised they didn't for still figure up some reason to postpone it, but it was supposed to go into effect originally immediately, but now it doesn't go into effect the one of the amendments until the first of next year. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that thing is moving along. I feel like a lot of these States are moving along and clearly there's some political rhythm. I'll call it because obviously we're halfway through the term of, of this presidency. Mm-hmm. And this would be the time to pull the trigger if you want to get things done. This is this is that year where it's like, you know, it's always been laid out to me like politics, like, you know, year one, you don't get anything done. Year four, yeah. you don't get anything done. Year two, somewhere in the middle into year three. So it's like really like you have about an 18 month window to get things done. Yeah. And even talking about political on it, they were, Uber was pulling out all the stops. I was reading one of the other articles here about that, that here just this last week, they were the people at uber contacted the head of the uh democratic who's in charge of the convention because mm-hmm. that's going to be in chicago yeah and they were wrote a letter wrote a letter to them saying that they wanted them to you know push back against this bill and and not get it to pass because they said if it passes you know you could have problems getting uh rides at the convention this summer when you have it and and or next, whenever it is and they were using that as a part of their reasoning why they didn't want it. That it was going to, and I don't know, you know, if it's going to make that big a chance. I don't, I don't personally, I don't think Uber would pull out of Chicago. It's too big of a market for them over this, you know, it's yeah. the third, third largest. And they put threats out like that quite often on stuff, but it's just, yeah. Will it cause some changes? Probably. But like I said, nobody was really, you know, I couldn't get any answers on that about even when I, you know, I was curious, okay, when it first came out, what's reason Uber's reasoning that they would pull out? I mean, what are they basing that on? Why is it going to be that much more expensive? Because we didn't know anything about the law. Nobody knew any details about it. <laughs> and I even went to the Green Light Hub down here in Chicago to see if I could get at least some if I didn't figure anybody there would know anything about it, but I wanted a way to contact somebody to ask them at Uber. Hey, why, why, what's your reasoning? You're, you're sending out all these emails and messages for us to contact our legislatures to oppose this. But, and you listed all these reasons, things that it was going to 
cause for you guys' concern. And what's that based on? They wouldn't give me any information. I couldn't even get, I go, okay, so I know you guys here probably going to know you're just working the Green Light Hub, but who can I contact at Uber to ask some questions about this? And they wouldn't give me an answer. There isn't any place to contact. There's no phone number, no email. If I have a question, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it was like pulling teeth. Yeah. So, so I mean, now, now with you speaking of that and what will Uber do, I got to bring up this Minnesota thing because we've been talking about this for weeks. Um, two Wednesdays ago, they came to the floor with what I consider uh, obviously a problematic bill because they were amending even just simple words for like three hours, like getting the to mean this in the context. And then so they were like in just the basics of how it was even written. And then last Wednesday, they went back to the floor and, you know, they said that they need to cover a million dollars or that the ride shares need to cover a million dollars of medical. Um, and Uber's response was there is no company in the in the country that that does that kind of insurance. So we are unable to do that. So they amended that out um, and they're still going for these other things. But they had all this other stuff in there that was like it was not it wasn't even doable. So last night, because Saturday they had the they had a live session going on YouTube, and I was trying to watch it, but they didn't get to the employment stuff. And I guess last night they did. So um, the Minnesota Senate passed a bill last night, Sunday night, um, that would set minimum pay rates for Uber and Lyft drivers and establish greater protections against wrongful termination. Um, so it's basically kind of the same thing that that. Um, that uh, Washington state did. And it's, you know, as independent contractors, Uber and Lyft drivers aren't entitled to the benefits afforded employees, such as minimum wage, overtime pay, social security and workers' compensation. Um, the house, uh, the Senate and house passed the bill HF 2369 in the final days of the legislative session, despite, despite warnings from the companies that the regulations um, will cause them to double their prices. And um, Uber said it might even shut down operations in the state completely. Um, to this, I, it's it's so now it's been turned. So now it's been turned over to Governor Tim Waltz. Uh, he, um, you know, he said there's so bas basically everybody's on board with this. It somehow got through with all the changes they made. Um, the bill's passage comes after a rocky two weeks during which um, the uh, they had to revive the bill and made significant ch changes, including scrapping the insurance, like I was talking about, requirement, said it was unworkable. Um, and now, um, let's see, the, the bill requires transportation network companies, including Uber and Lyft, to pay $5. Okay, so... The drivers will be paid a minimum $5 fee plus $1.45 per mile and 34 cents per minute in the seven county Twin City metro area. Drivers in the greater Minnesota would be entitled to $1.25 a mile and 34 cents per minute, both with those minimum $5. Um, so the drivers would also be entitled to 80% of cancellation fees if they already depart to pick up a rider as well as $1.25 per mile and $0.10 cents per minute if the company charges for a long, 
long pickup, quote unquote. So um, the rate in Minnesota's bill um, are slightly higher than than those mandated in in Washington State, which is a dollar twenty seven per mile and thirty seven cents per minute. Seattle's is a dollar fifty per mile and sixty four cents per minute. Um, but the Twin Cities cost of living, even though it's a big city, is nowhere near Seattle's. So no. Um, what I don't know. What what is your take on this? You know there. I thought the Seattle one was pretty, pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, when with the minimum, the rates that they set for, for both in Seattle and outside of Seattle, um, that I don't have a problem with. You know, those seem like pretty reasonable rates. But like so now, they're getting into these other places and they're wanting more than that goes kind of beyond what an independent contractor would need when they're talking when they start talking insurance or paid vacation you know paid time off and things like that yeah i think basically you know the rates and the deactivation you know basically to me it's like what would an independent contractor have and be entitled to with some you know base rates kind of going back to like uber used to have at least bring the rate card back where you got that. So you know what you're working with. Right. And clearly that's what they're, that's what all of these legislative sessions in all the States are working off. They don't, Mm -hmm. obviously to me, the upfront rate, the thing that we've wanted forever here, just show us complete transparency, the upfront pricing model that they're using, which does that isn't because for enough years I've been asking for it. It's because they didn't want these legislative sessions basing using the rate card. Right. I mean, it's more damaging the, to them to show that the drivers are getting 60 cents a mile and whatever, 10 cents a minute. Yeah. You know, so to them, it's like they wanted to, it, it would have been easier if just the past few years, even they had been doing upfront, they could be like, we don't know. It's just an upfront based fare here. Do you want this or not? You know, but now they're having to fight in every state. I see it coming up. The, the per minute and per mile is like what they're using. Yep. Yeah, and here in Chicago, they're going to be doing the same thing. But I guess the, my 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 biggest issue becomes, it, you know, I mean, look, Uber saying that, and I don't think they're lying. I mean, there's times I know I know they're lying. There's times I think they're lying, but here I don't think they are. They're saying that to do this, they're going to about have about have to double the price of of most rides. Most rides. Mm-hmm. now, if they double the price of most rides how much active time are you going to get right and i think that's one thing drivers don't think about you know you could have the highest rates you want and charging but there's going to be a point where people aren't going to use it as much and yeah you're getting paid a high rate but that doesn't do you any good if you're only driving 50 percent of the time that you're out there yeah. And it, and it makes me also worry about like when they've included, and I like that they did because we tried to do this in Colorado. I think this is something that every state should have a way to challenge deactivation, but I think they need to be very careful there because in my opinion, Uber can just not deactivate you then and just send you no rides. Right. So it's like they, it, that's almost to their, and if, if for anybody that thinks that they don't think this way, they do. They, <laughs> they do. Absolutely do. That, that's proven it's, time and time again because it's when you got a company or anybody that's that big and that lawyered up and is determined to you know try and make some money 
And with all the stuff they've pulled before that they don't care about, you know, when they just go into places to start and, you know, to hell with, you know, the laws that are there getting any licensing, this just, we're going to do it. And then work through it all afterwards and then litigate everything. It's like there, when, as soon as we try and get ahead as a driver and make some changes or ordinances, you know, darn well, they're going to find some way to one up that and work around it. It's just the way they're going to do things. You, and you got to think ahead about two steps ahead and think about, okay, so if we get this, what un, unintended consequences might there be for things that they're going to have to do workarounds? And they're going to try that. And and I think a lot of people just don't stop and think, yeah, it's going to get an immediate result for us, but what's going to happen down the road because of this? And what might they do? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're already working on that. They're, they got people thinking, okay, all these ordinances and things are coming up. What can we do to get around that? Yeah. I mean, the bill, the bill had also originally required that the companies uh, pay for driver's gas, wear and tear on vehicles, and additional insurance. Um, the companies said that those provisions were unworkable since independent contractors are not legally allowed to be reimbursed for their costs. And there isn't um, insurance, again, in, available that would meet the, the requirements of that part. So, I mean, it's like, to me, this was so sloppy put together. I know they attached it to a couple other bills that had to pass. And I almost, I, that kind of stuff makes me sick. I hate it when they attach things. Yeah. Um, because then you got to have all, like, if you've, if you've got these two bills that must pass, like redoing some roads and some, and, and everybody agrees, yeah, we got to get those done. And then they attach something that's controversial. That, yeah. that to me is crap because that's, you're trying to force a hand. And you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get some people even voting for it that don't want it because they know those other two need to go through. Yeah, they're going to start making compromises on other things that they wouldn't have here that would have, you know, that may really need to be done. And I never got that either way, especially when there's something that's totally unrelated to each other, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's it's crazy. I mean, like they want they want this in place this year. Like it looks like it, it looks to me like um, this thing's going to like go and then i and then i have to wonder you know like okay so is this gonna be one of those things where uber got their way because okay we didn't um we didn't have to bow down to unions we don't have to make them employees they made this law now let's just challenge it and keep it tied up in court for years i know they didn't in washington state but i don't know that they won't like if every other state were to do this i don't know how this works for uber I don't know how the model works for Uber because I mean, let's be honest. I know that there are ways that they, that some people, some of the venture capitalists, some of the original people get some money out of this. And you yeah. know, I don't want to, I don't want to say how, because I don't know how I just know that that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we all know this company is not profitable. How's it going to be profitable if you're forcing pay the drivers four times what you're paying them now. And I, I agree that they've, I mean, I've been doing this since 2015 and they've just done nothing but go, you know, downhill, downhill, downhill with pay. But this doesn't, I don't know if this seems like the answer to me. And I don't know if the drivers are going to be as happy with the results either if it just goes through. Yeah, I don't think. Because I, I honestly think that you're not going to, you know, it sounds great. I mean, this just sounds like a great package, but I just don't think you're going to have that many rides in a day. I don't think you're going to, um, 
you know, if anything, I think this helps the taxi industry. <laughs> yeah, they're probably just <laughs> sitting back here waiting to see if these things are going to work. And, hey, this might work out good for us, they're thinking, in the long run. Yeah. I might mean, be back to the old taxi days. but Yeah, and they did they did remove, by the way, for anybody that is wondering, has, has been following this bill, they did remove the, um, um, let's see, but Uber and Lyft drivers as independent contractors won't, won't will not be eligible for paid sick leave. They will be able to access paid family and medical leave if they opt into the program and pay for the premiums themselves. Um, so I'm interested to see what those premiums are because I don't know, is that through Uber? Or are they talking about your own private insurance? Are they? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, and I, you know, that's another thing too. Like, man, one thing about all these states doing this is one thing I can say for sure is part of the horrible reason that it's come to this is because, look, Uber's never even checked and required that you carry the right insurance. I right. Mean, they just say upload your registration, upload your license, upload your, your, your current insurance, but they don't look to see that you have the right insurance. And that's why 90% plus of the drivers don't. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them that don't. Have. But I mean, I, I feel like that's not like if you don't. If I guess here's my point is if you don't want to, if you just want to be the the SAAS that's just handing a ride to a driver and saying, "Do you want this?" Which they are, then you know why do you need the driver's you know maybe the driver's license, but why do you need the insurance? Because. Yes, I get that they're independent contractors and it's not your job to make sure that they're carrying the right insurance that they should be and that it's their job. But then why do we have to, as drivers have to produce it for Uber? Yeah, because it, it's almost I feel like it's trickery to a lot of people, not to me, but to some people, I feel like it's trickery like, oh, they took my insurance. I got accepted. I'm good. And no, you're yeah. not. You're not carrying the right insurance. Right. And I, that's one of the big problems with this part of the gig economy that you have a lot of people entering it, probably the majority of them that have never worked as a independent contractor before. Right. Don't even know there's a difference. They think that being hired as a 1099, like they always have been, or it's the only way there is mm -hmm. unless you own your own like store or something like that, you know, like an obvious business, but, I think a lot of people are under undereducated about the whole system like that. And they're just ignorant of what it is when they get started in. And, and that's half their problems. But so I, I, I talked about this last week, but I'd be, I need to make sure we fit this into the time today. And then if we have time, maybe one other thing I got, but um, I, we need, I, I need to get your take on this Uber for teens or Uber X teen. Um, <laughs> I think that's a big headache waiting to happen. Yeah, More I mean, it's. I'm shocked to be honest. I've been fighting this stupid thing since 2015. You know, I, mean, I was. I can. I can. I kind of had mixed feelings on that. I guess, and, you know, um, I can. I was kind of surprised when I heard that too, because you know why they always have had it in their terms of service that there was you know no minors and now why do you change it all of a sudden and i mean to be honest when i first started it never even entered my mind that 
you couldn't pick up somebody underage. I don't know why. It just wasn't those things. I'd never driven anything before. I'd never been around taxis or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, me, if I was a parent, I, especially in a larger city, I probably wouldn't, depending on, I guess, how my kids were brought up and what things were going on, I probably wouldn't put them in there, especially a young kid. But then one reason I never questioned it either is because this was shortly after I started driving here in Chicago, probably within the first few months, I had a pickup at a place that was, it seemed like it was maybe a, like a, almost like a department of human services, you know, place that worked with child custody or, you know, things like that. Cause I brought this kid out. He's probably six years old and was taking him to this other address. It was his home or, place where he was living and they just put him in the car and had me take him and i didn't think anything of it because i never that was the first time i've ever had a kid in there and i thought well this is kind of like some important after people i've started saying that you know you can't take minors and whatnot and started reading about these things then i thought that's kind of interesting because this was obviously some type of state agency or you know some government type background thing behind it and here they put a kid in the car with me to go so but then I, and i never read the terms of service and then he started you know getting people at schools and stuff especially here in chicago in the morning you get all kinds of them sending their certain areas of the city sending their kids to school in an uber mm-hmm. and i picked i'm I picked up on a few of them before, you know, obviously way before that I, before I even heard that it was not in, you know, in the terms of service, how it was written. But, but then I can see too, the issue, the security issue with them and whatnot. And so. It's yeah, just, I guess, I guess my mess. main, my main thing with this one is that I'm, uh, I know that like hop, skip drive and some of these other littler ones that have started up in cities, Mm-hmm. I've actually interviewed a couple of the CEOs. I did this. There was one in Cincinnati. I interviewed the two ladies who were starting up this. They had like vans that they were going to use. And their um, insurance is probably expensive. And I was just going to say, the reason they're on, out of business now isn't because they didn't have the business. They did. They had the business. Mm-hmm. They had the customer base. They acquired that very quickly. It's that they could not afford the insurance to take kids. Yeah. And that's, I guess, where my biggest question comes in is so, you know, I get it. You know, we got phases zero, one, two, and three. And three is when you have the passenger in the car and you're taking them from pickup to destination. And that, in that phase, Uber is supposed to have you completely covered. Again, I would question this. Like I do everything with Uber about like, even, you know, even when they say like, um, you know, like, well, you you agree to the terms of service and you've agreed to it and you've uploaded your insurance and you are told that you can go drive now, but you were told you can go drive now and you don't have the right insurance. Right. So is that going to be the same thing here? Is it going to be like, okay, you need to have this now, or even that they don't even say it, just make sure you're covering the, carrying the right insurance. And nobody literally knows this at all. No. I wonder what it all says in there when you read all the little fine print and the terms of service about insurance and liabilities and whatnot. And some of you probably can't even understand because it's so legally written, but, but yeah, it's like, how do you even know what insurance you need or, 
who's going to cover it. And sometimes you really don't till things get litigated. And But it's another big mess, I know. So I don't really pick up kids anymore. And the only reason I did it high school is it was the only time was if it was a short ride. And, and at that time, I'm thinking, I'd spend all this time to get here. And this is like been sometimes three in a row. And then I've canceled them. And I've actually sometimes had three rides in a row wasted over an hour, you know, because I had to cancel all of them, then document it all. And it gets frustrating. It was ironic because I thought, why are they even have this anyway? If they aren't, if Uber isn't going to do anything on their end to try and stop this and so that the parents can't use their account, it's like, then why don't they just, you know, go ahead and take it out of the terms of service and make it so you can drive? Well, then here, what are they doing now? <laughs> yeah. But it's going to wait till something happens and people find out they don't have the right insurance or whatnot. And, well, that's what I, and that's what I feel like will happen. I feel like this thing will launch. And actually, today is the first day it is launched. It's the 22nd. Yeah. Today it's launched. Today it's live. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's not in every city yet, but it is slated to be in all of them. It's not just slated to be in 10 or 20 markets to try it out, which also would have made more sense. But um, it's slated to be in all the markets. So I don't know if if I if you're listening to this, I would say go unless you're unless you're just, you know, you just don't care or you're pretty sure you got the right insurance and you just don't want to listen. But my advice would be to go into your settings and just like there's Uber pet and stuff, turn that Uber XT off. Um, yeah. Because I mean I don't know I don't you're not going to be paid more and you're definitely you're definitely I don't know this this every state's going to be a little different but I don't know but you're you know you're definitely going to not be paid more and be risking a lot more. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's you're taking a lot of risk. Yeah, and people are going to say, well, what's the chances of that happening? And granted, you could probably drive and nothing ever does happen, but. That's one of those things where the consequences when it does happen are so serious that nine times out of 10, that that makes, even if it is a small chance, a small chance you don't want to take. So the last thing that I want to hit on here today, I think we have just enough time since you don't even do food delivery. So um, right. it's a DoorDash one, but you know, we only have a few minutes left, but I did want to go through it because DoorDash is now, um, if you didn't see this, there's a, there's a, a class action lawsuit against DoorDash for charging iPhone users more for identical orders. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually went through it and yeah, I mean, it talks about like what the charges are here and why, but they actually had a, a group do specific. This isn't like one case on each of these four things I'm going to list, but there's, here's the four things that they brought up in the, I guess in the original documents that they're going to be filing here for this class action because they're looking for 3.2 um is it 3.2 billion or something i don't know it's something ridiculous but the plaintiffs um so there's four tests that were that they're using as examples so this is doordash on iphones compared to android so on an iphone and again so it wasn't just one it wasn't certain instances. They did this, these in different areas and found this to be true. So on, um, so on Panera orders, so these, some of these get specific on Panera orders, 
with an iPhone, you're charged five, as a customer, you're charged five dollars more, no matter if you're if you're despite being closer to a different Panera than an Android user or whatever, doesn't matter. You're gonna get five dollars, it's gonna be five dollars more than an Android order. Um wow. shown a discounted delivery fee despite paying two dollars more from Android. So they show you that it's a discounted fee, but you're still paying $2 more than if you have a side-by-side -side Android. Um, charged, more, uh, charged more than they were for the same order while logged into an Android. Um, received less of a discount with their DashPass account than um, another Android user with a DashPass account. Um, you know, I, I guess I wonder how many times DoorDash gets to get let off the hook for stealing tips. Um, it seems like, you know, twice now on a very large scale, they've been caught stealing tips and they're just like, oh, well, there's a, I mean, their excuse is always the same. You know, there's changes made on a daily basis to our algorithm. Sometimes those blah, 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 and interfere with this. And come on, guys. I mean, like you have enough staff and people working for you that you you have to know these outcomes. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the algorithms get, if, if there's too much AI involved, sometimes you might not know exactly everything, but you have to know that what's going on. Yeah, they, I mean, they know that. They have to. Right. So they know this is happening. They know that, the, look, they, when they got caught stealing tips, you know, they didn't like go all red flag and security and make sure it never happened again. It happened again eight months later. And they yep. got caught again eight months later. And then people get all like, well, no, it's not happening anymore, but they get... You know, if anybody brings up, hey, they might be stealing our tips, people get like, no, no, they don't do that. They could never do that. They wouldn't get away with it. Those people weren't around, when, when, obviously, when I'm talking about because they've been caught twice doing this. So, like, of course they would. 100% yeah. they would. They've proven that. So they're willing to break laws, bend them. But I just, I don't even know where to go with this one. Like, you know, like, did they really think that this was something that they would get away with for I just, I just I, don't get it anymore. Like it's, it's look, you're not even being, now you're not even being not transparent. Now you're like manipulating. Yep. You know, I, there was something like this and this was quite a few years back I was reading, but, and it kind of all ties into how these companies use your data and, and now it'll be AI to even make that more intense and, and maneuver it around and manipulate it even more. But, when you are shopping online, you know, I think the price, they use the airline prices for shopping on all these different airline sites mm -hmm. that you would get this kind of the same thing. You would be shopping for a flight and you would, depending on what type of computer you were using, mm -hmm. what browser you were logged into, where your IP address was in relation to zip codes and things like that would give you totally different prices and different deals all tied into the data they had on you the anonymous data just that was tied to that ip number and stuff making assumptions about how much you could afford and what kind of lifestyle you lived and therefore we're going to send different offers and you know not just advertising but different prices on the products we're going to offer you yeah and i think we're going to see a lot more of that type of thing coming you know whether it's in doordash or right share or anything because they have all these years of data collection and you know they aren't just collecting it for the fun of collecting it <laughs> yeah. they had some 
and and people and even you know my sister or something would say or people i knew well i don't care what they collect on me i've never done anything illegal i what do they what do they want to know about my stuff for i'm gonna live a boring life and literally a lot of people just never thought that any of that stuff that was useless information to us was invaluable how would they ever use it you know right and now we're starting to figure out that's how they're going to use it and it i think with ai coming into it it's going to be even worse you know i next few years are going to be pretty interesting and a lot of challenges how all this stuff is going to shake out it's like we're kind of in the wild west again we're kind of like the whole country we're settling a whole new frontier when it comes to places we've never gone with data and and different forms of you know we have more independent contractors and mixed you're not really an independent contractor but you're not really an employee either and and we don't have the laws in place to handle it all either so we're literally kind of going through a whole new like industrial revolution and all the problems that went with that you know you look back to the 1700s early 1800s all the societal problems it's kind of reliving the same thing just on a different level yeah and i think we can expect some of the all the chaos and unrest that happened back then i i agree and to be honest like you know obviously none of us wanted to see and especially people who understand it want to see like a pro act pass because this goes farther than the gig apps this tries to hurt everybody but but at the same time like it, it shocks me that the the federal government as well as every state is going after these gig companies but kind of like hitting on what you said they have they've never defined the gig economy right like until you define it and until you make the app-based gig economy something a little different and here's your standards and then we can tweak them out over the years but until you define it yeah they're just riding as independent contractors yet if you really plug it into the independent contractors of years past, the traditional independent contractors, it doesn't really fit the bill. Yeah. It's all, there's so much difference in it and, and not even just the difference in doing it, but you know, the reasons they had all these different protections and things, just the way society was and, you know, what we have now and what we've come to expect and the way things cost and, all these social things that are tied into, you know, think back when we didn't have, you never had employer given insurance, you know, how that all changed in the fifties and sixties when that started coming out. So then that was all tied to your job. And, and now things are so much different. It's like, we just aren't set up to handle all this yet. And how do you set it up to handle it when people are used to the old way and some people get stuck in their ways and some others want change and yeah and then you have people come along too that are like said trying to fix it make laws that kind of help even out the situation and adjust to the times but then people they'll get in there and say oh we need to do this but gee hey what what else can we do that's going to help us get this agenda through that's totally unrelated to it or how can i make some money off this so then you get litigation and and people or legislatures doing things that are pocketing their own money in the process and yeah it's oh, yeah it's just a circus but 
Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, look, for all the laws going through, like if anybody paid any attention to the Colorado things that I've been talking about, this one, of all the things going on in the country, this one should have gone through because it talks about just showing us transparency and the right to fight a deactivation. But unlike these other states like or, or Washington or Minnesota or even California or some of these other ones, it doesn't have a dollar amount attached. And without right. that, like no nobody on either side of the aisles can get behind it. If there's not money, people don't care. That's true. You know, I mean, like you can say that, well, the far left or the far no, nobody cares. Nobody no. in politics cares if there's not money attached. And even the ones who maybe at some point in their careers did care, they've now learned they've come into the political system. They understand that to get anything they want done. They have to play this game, almost like we have to play this game with these companies. Yeah, it's like you got to do something to to get what you want back, and and there's just no doing it anymore just because of it needs to be done. It's like you need something, I need something. We'll do this, we'll do that, and there's always money tied to it. And like said, yeah, and without without money tied to it here, it failed. I mean, yep. they just shot it down. Two Democrats jump shipped and and knocked it down before it even hit the floor. So, I mean, in Minnesota, they're passing a bill that's going to out. It's it's charging more than Washington State does, and it's almost three times as much to live in Washington. Yeah, you know, it's like, why are you in Minnesota? No offense, but why are you guys needing that much money? Yeah, that's. Totally different situations, economics in different areas, and what works in one isn't going to work in the other. And yeah, and that's they, the other thing that's going to get very confusing is, you know, I, I'm not for any kind of national regulation or whatnot, but these independent states doing different things, unless they look super similar, it's going to be very confusing. It's going to be a nightmare, too, just for a company that covers all those areas, how to keep each one straight and and... Not to mention, it's like, well, what, you know, people move around the country, too. And if you're working a job and you want to stay in that type of business or area and you go to a different state, that's a whole new game. Mm -hmm. That even makes it difficult, too. And yeah. then not only is it going to just be states, but it's going to be some cities within can be different than the rest of the state. Oh, yeah. And that's what's going to happen here in Chicago, because, you know, we had a couple ordinances that were specific to the city of Chicago that would have been introduced. Yep. Um, and now they're, they have to reintroduce them and has to start all over again because we got a new city council and after election, new mayor. So any bills that were introduced, but hadn't been, you know, gone through have to start the process all over again. And we got at least two of them here. And the thing is our, all our advocacy groups for ride share and, and stuff can't all get along. So you got one group doing one thing and another one introducing another thing. And, and then there gets personal politics between the groups. And so we yeah. can't even get along there. Yeah. And even the names of groups are getting creative. The ones with union backings, like don't sound like a union. Now they, they're getting yeah. wise to it and saying, don't make it sound like a union. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but aren't you a union? Yeah. But we don't want people to know that. Well, like, <laughs> but they're going to know that when they have to pay dues, like you talking about, and that's the thing, too. It's like, at least here in Chicago, you can't get anything into City Hall unless it's, you know, you got some prominent legislature, council member, or group, a union, or some somebody behind you. Otherwise, it isn't going to go anywhere because you got to yeah. play their game. So, yeah. Um, well, gosh, I keep going, but our time is up for today. So I want to thank everybody for listening. And thank you, David, for joining me. 
You bet. Uh, Be safe, earn smart, and we'll see you back here next week on the Rodeo Podcast, everybody. Thank you.